Hello, everyone, and thank you for checking out the Dancing Eyes podcast, episode 10. My name is Frankie Caputo, and this is a podcast where I talk to people with nystagmus about life for a while. We talk about some of the ups, the downs, the good things, the bad things, and everything in the middle. Today, my guest is Alex. Alex is a freshman in high school, and he just competed in his first DECA competition. In this episode, we discuss his experience with DECA, how nystagmus can affect making friends, and a lot more. Timestamps for all the different discussions will be located in the description of the video, or if you're listening on Apple, they will be located in the description of the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please feel free to hit the like button and hit the subscribe button if you haven't done so already, and leave me a comment. I really appreciate it. Lastly, new episodes will be out on the first and third Monday of every month, so make sure to keep your eyes out for those. And with all that being said, I hope everybody listening enjoys and gets something from this episode, and let's get into the show. All right, what's up, Alex? How you doing, man? I'm doing really good, actually. I'm really excited to be here tonight, and I'm happy to talk about some of my, my nystagmus experiences. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. We, we've had this planned for for a little over a month now, actually, and you uh, you had a, a DECA conference, and we kind of decided that we would hold off on recording until you've completed your DECA so that we can discuss it, and that's definitely something that we're going to get into later, but before, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Alex Rajakovic. I'm a freshman. I'm in ninth grade, and I've had nystagmus since I was about one or two. I've been diagnosed with it around that age, and I was born with it, of course, my whole life, but I've learned to change and grow with it kind of over the years. Can you pronounce your last name for me again real quick? Yeah, it's Rojakovic. It's a pretty hard last name because I think it's um, actually Croatian, Serbian, that kind of Middle Eastern area. Rojakovic. Perfect. Yes. Yes. Okay. I've seen it spelt whenever I interact with you or your dad, and I just have no idea how to say it. Okay. Now I know. Alex Rojakovic. Okay. All right. So I guess we can kind of start, you know, with some stories. Do you know how your parents reacted at all when they first found out about your nystagmus? Yes. I've heard this story a lot. They like to tell it because they like to say it's almost like when the doctor said it. It was shocked to them, which I only find funny because like, I'm actually like the shocked look on their faces. Like they just like the mic drop, but, um, it was shock almost more, not because of the condition, but because of its rarity. Like it was like naming like an alien, um, phrase to them at that point, because the internet wasn't really started and around yet. So it was very, um, new to them and they didn't really know what it was till then. So it's kind of like, what is this? It sounds like um, just a name you made up just now. So they were shocked at first, and then they start to kind of do some research in the weeks after. Okay, yeah. So from from what I'm what I hear around is um, the nystagmus is about one in a thousand. So that's actually maybe your parents got a different number. Like to me, that doesn't seem very rare. But also, I've never met anybody with nystagmus before, so it feels a lot more rare than the statistic says. Yeah, exactly. I don't think they'd ever met anyone, but once they found the board, which I think the board is what kind of started that, or not the board, the Nystagmus Association, that's kind of what started everything for them because realizing other people had it and they were so spread out, I think was really cool. And then getting involved in it was really nice. And it really helped me a lot, as I'll mention later on. It was great for me. So your parents have been involved with ANN for a while now. Definitely. It started as kind of just um, like most people kind of just listening. Um, I don't think they went till their their first conference. I don't know when it was, but I know it was a couple af years after I was born. So it's definitely um, kind of a learning experience, but now they've gotten more involved. Like my dad's in multiple committees and we're planning on going to our second conference next year. Uh, third total, if you count the virtual one. But yeah, we're now pretty involved and we're really enjoying being in the community. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So um, I'm curious because I've heard this in the past. I've heard, I've had some guests tell me that they've seen some interesting doctors who would tell them like, man, your kid's not going to be able to do anything. I, my, my most recent guest, actually, he told me that 
the first doctor that his parents brought him to said, man, your kid's got nystagmus. He's not going to be able to read. He's not going to be able to go to college, which is like, that's a very pessimistic way of looking at it. Do, have your, have your parents ever experienced some sort of doctor reaction like that? I would say yes. Compared to what the doctor said when we first saw them, I've gone so far beyond their standards. Like they're saying I could never play a sport, like not even uh, on a team, but like for fun, like tracking balls would be hard. Riding a bike might be extra hard, which I actually love to do now. I ride bikes a ton. It's one of my favorite things to do, but they weren't as bad saying you might not be able to read, but they're definitely limiting a lot of what I could do. Okay. Yeah. I've never, I've actually never had any issues riding a bike either. It's I've never even thought twice about that. No, it's kind of come second nature to me too. It's just why I was so surprised kind of their predictions. Yeah, I know. Do, do you play any other sports? Um, so let's see. I think I've played soccer. I've done swim team. I've done basketball in the past. And then this year, I haven't played it as a sport yet, but we got a ping pong table, which I thought is like the impossible for nystagmus. But I enjoy playing it. And my big thing is we got orange balls, which are so, so much easier to track. But yeah, it's kind of like, it felt like the impossible to me because my dad was hugely into it. So being able to actually play it is really cool. Table tennis is my absolute favorite. I love it so much. And the nystagmus has never affected me. Dude, I'm, I've, I always joke about this because I'm pretty good at it. And I feel like I shouldn't be good at it just because I think about my eye condition and just my eyes shaking around and my lack of vision. It's like, I'm not supposed to be good at it, but yet, I don't know, man, I'm good. at Yeah, it. I know. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's impressive. I never thought I'd be actually like able to track the ball when you're going fast paced and hit it back and actually be able to play and not just like lose miserably every game. So it's really cool that it, it doesn't hold you back as much as some people may say. I think part, I think part of it is also um, part of the thing that can hinder people from being good at something with nystagmus is they, before they try the thing, they'll be like, Oh, but what about the nystagmus? Like, is that going to get in the way of me doing it? So for me with the table tennis, I was 10 when I first started playing and it was pretty much before I ever really knew that I had an eye condition. Like when I was 10, I knew that there was something wrong, but I didn't really know to the extent of it. I didn't know that my vision was as bad as it was. And I definitely didn't know that I had a head tilt or anything. I was, I was just too young for that. And so like my lack of knowledge about my nystagmus, I think really came to my benefit when it came to playing table tennis and other sports. Yes, exactly. And I'm glad you mentioned the head tilt because I'd say Zoom is kind of like my biggest nightmare because doing virtual school last year and doing like stuff like this, even now the camera straight ahead, but I'll look at it slightly to the right or slightly to the left sometimes. So it kind of like, um, it can throw people off. Like it feels like you're looking at something in the background or something in the distance, but I'm really just looking at the camera, but it's just with the head tilt, it looks like I'm looking away. Has so anybody yeah, ever said something kind of grow with, um, I'm trying to think. I don't think anyone said stuff to me. I think actually people have more said like, it looks like you're rolling your eyes on camera or even in person if they don't know, like not in a mean way, but kind of like, huh, it looks like your eyes are kind of rolling around. Mm. Yeah. I, I hear you on the Zoom thing though. I've struggled with Zoom before because I never feel like I'm actually looking at the person that I'm trying to look at. And it's just because I don't like, I don't know what, what camera angle you use on Zoom, but I always have. I have the one where it's just, uh, let's say there's like five people because I had it for school and there'd be five people on my screen and I wouldn't know where to look so that it looked like I was looking at the camera. So I'd always, I'd be like, do I look at the camera so that they feel like I'm looking at them or do I look at the person? Because if I look at the person, it doesn't look like I'm looking at them. It looks like I'm looking off in the distance. Exactly. I think it's a, um, like a constant battle people don't think about if they don't have nice tag mess up like in your head. It's like you're doing these calculations, like how can I look straight at them without tilting my head, but also able to see them and be comfortable. It's like, it's a lot to think about for like a basic meeting that most people are like, yeah, I just look straight ahead. <laughs> so yeah, it's an extra step. Yeah. And I, I've definitely struggled with that on Zoom. And I've actually done that in real life too. I'm curious if that's ever a thought that goes into your head 
like am i looking at this person straight how, how do i look how, how do they make me out to look Yes, I think the one day that it comes into play most is picture day, because in our family, me and my sister both have nice segments. So trying to do picture day and the guy getting so annoyed, like, look at the camera, not, no, at this camera. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of, it's fun to kind of like um, stuff like that. You try your best and still it's like people think you're looking off to like, um, off way far to the right to like Timbuktu, but you're just kind of trying to look straight. So yeah, it's the most interesting experience. That was definitely something that that was frustrating for me when I was younger. Was the uh, was the camera guy yelling at me to look at the camera? I'm like, bro, I'm looking at the camera. I don't know how it's. I don't, I, and that was also kind of like before I knew that I had nystagmus. So to me, I was always looking at the camera, and then I would look at the photos afterwards, and then I would see my head tilt, and I would be like, oh, I'm actually not really looking at the camera. Yeah, I had that same experience too. I'm like, I felt like I was looking directly at it, but it looks like I was like had the picture where my head was all tilted. <laughs> yeah, that's how I first found out about my head tilt. Because, like, I feel like oh, if, really? if you that's have cool. the, head, the head tilt, which, um, I mean, people with nystagmus, you just have it. But you, you adapt to it naturally. Your head just kind of does it naturally. So you don't really know how you appear to other people. So it's not until somebody would bring it up to me or until I saw it in photos that I that I noticed it. Oh, definitely. Of course. I think it's the same way. Um, I thought head tilt like was nystagmus at first, like knowing the definition, I don't know, it was always been like blurry to me until like I started getting more involved in the nystagmus board. And, and because like, um, I don't know if it's the eyes moving or having an astigmatism, which I have, or having the head tilt. So I always kind of wondered if it was all one thing or all separate. See, I'm still I'm still kind of learning about that today. Yeah, it seems like with nystagmus, it's not really just one thing. It's not really just the eye movement, but it's also lack of vision. It's also the head tilt. It's also, we can't really, or at least for me, like I can't focus my eyes. I can't track things very well with them. I have to move my head in order to uh, to keep looking at something. So it definitely just comes with a lot of things that, you don't really find out about unless you have it or you know somebody with it. Because if you if you look up nystagmus, it's it's it just says rapid movement of the eyes online, and maybe it'll say oh, something really? about a head tilt, but it, there's not much about all the other head movements and stuff like that. No, I feel like that's the one thing is the internet still today. I feel like nystagmus is that like that search term where it's like no results or a couple results, and it's like. Did I type in the wrong word or did I misspell it? Because there's barely any information, but it's really just like that because it's more common, but it's still so rare that there hasn't been a ton of like research done into it. Yeah, that, that's definitely something that I've experienced in the past because especially when I was, when I was younger, um, definitely during my high school days, I would always go onto the internet and I would look for new research on nystagmus or i would look for youtube videos of people who have nystagmus um just so that there would be somebody there that, that i could relate to or talk to and really the only source of that was for me it was either reddit or it was the american nystagmus network because they posted the videos on youtube so i like that those are two very different sources but they both probably gave you some good information oh honestly man reddit was the best for me that that's how I started the podcast was on Reddit. I, I, I kind of had the idea lingering in the back of my head and I just made a Reddit post and I had like five or six people reach out to me within a few hours. And it was pretty much just like that. Oh, wow. That's really cool. I didn't know how the podcast started. I was going to say, did you just wake up one day? But that's really cool that kind of other people support it because I really liked it. Like, being able to see this and seeing you do it was really cool because it makes you feel like there's other people out there who have nystagmus, care about it, or like researching it. So I really like that. It's kind of like the special guest. I don't know if you have a name for it, but I'm curious what the name would be if you could. If I had a name for what? The podcast. Oh, it's just Dancing Eyes podcast. <laughs> Oh, that's, I like that. Yeah. I think, oh, I've heard that. Yes. I like that name because it really kind of, um, I think that was the slogan a year or two ago for nice science. I think it really kind of sums up everything in a couple of words. Yeah. It's a pretty, 
it's a pretty neat way of looking at it because I feel like it's so easy to look at the condition pessimistically and there's a lot of uh of negative people online and uh and especially in person man like I, I used to get bullied really hard for this and it it was definitely not easy for me to grow up with and I think that I think dancing eyes is a more optimistic way of looking at rapid eye movements so that's kind of that's one of the main reasons why why I did it and I also had that um the the logo i had the idea of the logo in my head which i thought looked pretty dope which is it's just pretty much an eye but the pupil is the ballerina so oh, i love yeah I. yeah i love the um podcast logo it looks really cool it, like if nice dinosaurs could have like a new logo or a logo i would make it that because <laughs> i really like it yeah thank you yeah shout out to fiverr fiverr is the best man <laughs> yes but yeah with nice dinosaurs i think it is very um it is looked at really badly. Like when you first got, I think at least for my parents and when I was young, it was looked at kind of like a huge problem that was just insolvable and like the biggest, like a big scary term, nystagmus. And when you kind of think about it, like dancing eyes, it makes it a lot less scary and it makes it seem like more livable with like your eyes are moving. Yes, but you can probably, she can still see and do things. It's, it's not as bad. It's, a nuisance, but it's nice. Well, speaking of that, I usually ask this question, but I don't think I've asked it in recent episodes, but would you consider this to be a disability? Oh, that is such a hard question. That's the type of question, like I need 10 minutes to like write up a formal answer, but <laughs> in a short answer, I would say, um, I would say it depends on how you define disability. Like I define it as something so major, you cannot do simple tasks. Like for example, missing an arm, missing a leg. And I think nystagmus, everyone I've met can still eat, drink, walk. So I would say no, it's a um, disadvantage or a disease, but I want to say disability as far, because it hasn't stopped people from doing the most basic things yet. Okay. I, I, yeah, I agree with you, man. I don't think that in your right about um, questioning what the definition of disability is, because I, it really just depends on how somebody defines disability. But I'm with you. I, I don't really think that it hinders my experience of living to the point where I would call it a disability either. So yeah, I've, but yeah, exactly. believe it or not, I've had many different answers for this question. So um, that's why I ask it. Cause I get some pretty, pretty interesting answers. Yeah. It's the biggest gray area. I feel like you can have with a word like that. It's a pretty, it's really hard to define. I'm curious what like the Google definition would be. I don't know if it's, so I've, I've Googled it before and I'm not sure that it says disability on there. It says it's a condition, a neurological condition, but I don't think that it says anything about, um, it being a disability. So I think that is just up to yeah. whoever's looking at it. Yeah, I think you're right. I also think it can um, depend almost on the severity of the case and if you have stuff paired with it. Like, I don't think I've met anyone with nystagmus yet that hasn't had one other small condition or two or three. So I think it really depends what else you may have with nystagmus. What else do you have with your nystagmus? I actually have a um, nystigmatism, which means the shape of my eyes and... I also have a um, head tilt as I focus the camera. So you don't really see as much, but you may still see my head drifting. So I do have those two kind of smaller things on top of it, mm -hmm. but together it's a little, um, it's a little more damaging together, but I've still learned to live with it. And really all together, there's a lot worse I could have. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I want to talk about your DECA. It's uh... definitely let's hop into that first um first of all i'm curious what got you into it actually you know there might be some listeners who don't know what deca is so can you explain what deca is for some people who might not know um so deca is a high school organization that works with i think schools yes all across the country and it's business focused so just to be in deca you need to take a business oriented class and deca is kind of like building future people that want to work in the business sector, finance, hospitality. And normally DECA, there's two main things you can do. You can do a um, exam like 
to test your general knowledge on the category of business you pick. And then there's role plays, which are more, um, you put the skill to use. So for example, this past weekend, I was in the selling category. So my role play was, I needed to pretend to be selling a specific object to a specified customer. And I need to sell it in, I think, 10 minutes or less. So do they and, do they give you a heads up on what you're going to be selling? Or do they, do they tell you that the day of? They like to do it. Um, the style of they give you, you walk in, you have 10 minutes, you look at the product, you have 10 minutes to write everything down. So for example, um, this year's product, they made it very um, unique. It was something to kind of throw you off, like say anything you practice, it's going to be super different. So it was a um, it was a makeup like a huge um, makeup uh, mirror with lights around it. So it gave like the dimensions, specific features, price, um, and then it gave all that. Maybe some like add-ons you can get, and then it told you the customer you're selling to and some of their problems. So the customer I was selling to it was like a dad with a teenage girl graduating high school. So it was like a present to her. Mm like a graduation present. And then I had to um, sell it to him. His objections were like, it's pretty expensive and I've done a lot of research. So I want to make sure this is the very best one I can get. So I need to pitch it to him. Okay. Interesting. Do you like it? I really like it actually, because it's, I never knew it'd be something I enjoyed so much, but it's like, um, it's like doing a class presentation to a judge. If you could pick anything you wanted to to present on, because, for example, there's other categories like job interview. Um, if you're working at a bank, like maybe if you're the manager of a hotel. So there's so many different things you can practice doing. And it's all made for such like such a purposeful intent that like it's made so in the future, you might do the same thing in real life if you're doing a job interview. So I like this is kind of preparing me for um, to have a job Sunday or be a um, like in an executive position on a company. So I think it's really cool and it's a great organization and it's got three big um, runs for competition. So you start in districts, which is just your County. So I started in my Chesterfield County. I came third place out of the County in all of my, uh, in my competition, which was selling. Nice. Yeah. I was super excited since this is my first year ever doing it. Nice, and then I went to States and Virginia beach this weekend and I was able to compete there. I got the results back. I did not come in one of the top three, but on the rating scale of 10, I think I got like an 8.8 .8 out of 10. So I got like between the very good and excellent category. Mm. So I was really happy for my first year. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. This is my first time hearing your, your results. So okay. Yeah, no, it's kind of like uh, breaking news because yeah, I just found them out this <laughs> afternoon, like an hour or two before the podcast. I oh, just, really? I'm just as new to this as you yet with these results. It's first person I've pretty much told. Yeah, breaking news. Okay. <laughs> so they, they only tell you what place you got if it's top three? They do. I mean, they yeah, they've done it a pretty intense, but I know in my category, it's there's about 50 kids and I'm, it's all speculation. So I could be saying I got fourth, but I think I hopefully got, I think in the top 25 because to score above me, you would have to get excellent to perfect. So I feel like I'm in the top general range because I was competing against all kids my age this year. So I feel like I had a pretty good chance at being, you know, top 30 kids, top 20. Okay. But I'm excited. Yeah, I'm going to go back next year. Um, there were a couple of challenges with Nystagmus I can mention, but it went really smoothly. Let's hear and I it. really enjoyed it. Um, a couple of the challenges, I think the main ones were the paper, of course, that shows the product. You don't want to take, they don't want you to take it in with you. So you have 10 minutes to write notes and it's taped down to the table. So if I'm ripping it up off the table to put it close to my face, they're going to I don't think they're going to like that very much. Mm. I think trying to kind of see the paper and there's hundreds of kids like in this room competing in all these different categories. So I couldn't really, you know, kind of stop and ask because they're on a very strict time schedule. So I kind of had to um, lean up a bit, kind of like sit up like this and kind of look down at the paper and write. 
So that's a little bit challenging. And I think the one other thing, I don't know if it's my handwriting or the size, but if I want to like, you know, peek down like this, look at the notes real quick, I might stare a little bit longer because it takes a little longer. I feel like my brain read uh, letters and words. Like I feel like for the average person, 2020, they can zip through any line. And even for me at a line that's 2060, 2050, I like my brain process is just a little slower. So sometimes I have to kind of find ways to combat that. And there's nothing a hundred percent effective, but I think kind of just practicing ahead of time for this type of thing is the best thing I can do. Just some more like extra preparation than, than the average person, I guess. Yes. And it sounds, it's not, it doesn't have to be a ton. I'm not saying you have to like do eight hours of practicing before, but just doing 20 minutes or maybe writing extra large on the paper and asking if you can have a second sheet of paper to take notes on. So there's a lot of ways you can accommodate yourself. And that's the thing I wanted to mention after deck is kind of accommodations in the classroom and outside of it. Yeah, for sure. We're definitely going to get into that. But I, I am curious, though, is is a nystagmus something that you consider bringing up to the judges beforehand? Or is this just kind of something that, that you deal with on your own and then just, just figure it out? Ooh, I had not thought of that. I would say in school, in meeting people, I always think to kind of bring it up if I'm doing something like a presentation. But this time, I actually did not. I think going back... I could have, and I think that could have helped understood if I ever looked at the paper too long or something, or looked at the paper a little long or something like that. So I think in the future, I'll definitely mention it because there's no harm in mentioning it. It's not like they're going to disqualify me and throw me out. You have nice yeah, time. I think out mentioning it's always the best thing to do. Okay. So are you done with DECA for the year? You're going to start back again next year? I think we're going to have a couple, um, in school, kind of like a end of the year social event, but after the competition, it's kind of kind of done for the year because actually I got about two months of school left. So it's it's not like I have half a year of school. I got about yeah two months. So next year I'll start up again, which I'm excited to do, and I'll go through all the competitions and any kind of after school activities we do with Deca. Like you might do seasonal stuff like carving pumpkins or stuff just so you can meet your peers who are also competing along with you to win your school. Cause it's also, you don't want to win for yourself, but win for your school because your school is it's like a team, like you say, yeah, it's a team effort. It's like an Olympic team. Yeah. You're kind of competing for your school to get as many wins as possible. Hmm. Okay. So overall pretty positive experience. Yes, it was very positive for me, and I know everyone liked it because it's a like-minded people, and it's a pretty good turnout. This year, our clubs had 60 kids, most participated in the first level, and then only like 7 or 10 made it to states, but it was still fun going with them and getting to hang out with them. So do you think in any way your experience in DECA is going to help you determine what you're going to want to do in your future after high school? That's a great question. I think in the future, the more categories I do and the more I have practice in it, I think it really will. Mm -hmm. And I'm already leaning towards kind of a job in the business field, financial field, or even opening my own type of business someday. What do you say? You're an entrepreneur at heart. Yeah. I'd say entrepreneur at heart. Yeah. That would be the dream to have my own company someday. Same here, man. Same here. <laughs> are your parents entrepreneurs? They are not, but actually my um my dad's brother is he opened his own bike shop. So he has a bike shop over actually in Norway now, the most successful in his city, pretty much. Oh wow. And he started that from nothing. And now, yeah, it's really big. It's one of the best there. So I have some entrepreneurship in my blood, definitely. Good for him. Norway, that's interesting. Is it because the bike market is just so so heavy in Norway. Yeah. The bike market's a little smaller, which means him doing it. He kind of captured the target audience mm -hmm. because there's a lot of people who are willing to bike there because in the summer it's really pretty with all the mountains and it's in the sixties and seventies. So it's the perfect climate to do it in the warm months. So I think that's what attracts people so much. And he's really the main competition there. 
he's the big business or the big bike business and oh, good for him Oslo where he lives yeah side note is that, is that how you got introduced to the to the cycling somewhat I would say it was really cool to hear about someone like him and it's also um I love biking I live in a place where there's tons of trails so just having those trails always kind of encouraged me to bike on them and with other everyone who lives here pretty much has a bike it feels like okay so it's really easy to go out biking with my family or friends so I've kind of just grown up with it and I haven't had any nice diagnosis problems actually I can see far enough ahead where if there's an object I can dodge it and I've never really um nystagmus has never really interfered with my ability to bike awesome. which I'm happy for I used to bust my ass on those trails I'm, I'm so over it I don't I don't I can't do the uh the mountain biking I've tried it or yeah it's yeah mountain biking I've tried it a few times and I just bust my ass every time completely doesn't have anything to do with nystagmus I'm just not good at mountain biking Oh, same. Yeah. If I, those mountain trails are a whole different thing than biking on gravel or pavement. <laughs> so those I'm a lot worse at it. No, it's not nice. Agnes. It's just, you got to get used to this. And I think that's one thing that can kind of, uh, not scare off people, but if you have nice Agnes, you, it's always a hundred percent worth trying it because you may find out my stagnus barely impacts you at all or has no impact at all. And if you practice enough, you may get really into something. Mm -hmm. So I think definitely not letting it hold you back, no matter the sport, even like I said, table tennis, um, I really enjoy doing it and just enough practice has made it really fun cool. and made me pretty decent at it. So earlier, I asked you if you considered bringing up your nystagmus to the judges at DECA, and you said that you hadn't considered it, but you did say that you bring up the nystagmus to people at school. I'm curious, when you when you first meet somebody at school, do you feel an obligation to mention the nystagmus, or do you just let it come up naturally in conversation? I would say I really should. <sighs> That's a hard, I really lean towards letting it come up naturally because I don't, for me, I don't know why it's just so awkward meeting a new person. The first thing I'm saying is like, I have my stagnus or something like that. So I kind of let, if they're curious enough about it, ask me. And if they don't really mind, I can tell them or I can just kind of let it slide until it comes up. Mm -hmm. Cause I find it less, at least for me, it's less awkward, but it really depends on the person and what you want to do. I think in my experience, there's definitely some awkwardness to it if you do it the wrong way. But I also tend to find that people are curious about it, but they don't feel comfortable enough to ask about it. And it might take people some time to build a comfortability in your relationship to ask about the eyes. So for me, what I'll do if I'm, if I'm meeting somebody is, first of all, if they're, if they're not going crazy, because... My eyes, sometimes they're mild and sometimes they're just going crazy. If they're going crazy and I'm just talking to somebody for the first time, I feel the urge to bring it up because to me, I feel like it's an elephant in the room. For, for, for yeah, example, my manager at my current job, I was meeting him for the first time and he's, he's a tall dude. And for whatever reason, when I look up, my eyes start freaking out. And then I, I, I had to tell him, I was like, dude, um, I, I have an eye condition and I was born with it and and he was very grateful that I said something because he thought that I might have been really high because he was a former um a former user. I'm not sure what he used, but he said that his eyes would react to that the same way and he would get he would get nystagmus because of his uh the drugs that he used. So, yeah, to me I feel like there's there's an elephant in the room sometimes, but also sometimes there's no need for me to bring it up. So yeah, I was just curious, like, Oh, definitely. Yeah. I feel like for me, it's like drawing like a fine line on paper and then smearing it all over. Like it's so hard to tell when I should definitely tell someone and when I should, I can hold off or I can let them bring it up. So yes, it's, it's a constant thing. I kind of think about all the time when I'm meeting new people, it's like an internal battle. Yeah, man, that it's, it's definitely interesting hearing you say that because not so much anymore. It's not something that I deal with so much anymore. But when I was back in high school, so when I was your age, I dealt with that in every single interaction with any person ever. It got so bad to the point where 
I couldn't even have a conversation and I couldn't even focus on what the other person was saying because I was too busy focusing on my eyes and, and how I look. Do you struggle with that at all? Honestly, I'd say meeting new people, that's very real. I didn't know other people. It's really nice to know someone else has had an experience like that. Like I try to focus so hard on trying to tell if my eyes are moving or if it's freaking them out or not. That I feel like I'm almost not listening. I'm in my own world trying to like mm-hmm. figure out what my eyes are doing. See, so yeah, it makes it hard sometimes meeting new people. So I definitely, yeah, I'm glad other people know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, just, just the way that, that you explained it, just, um, just definitely, I related to it a lot. So I figured I would say something. I'm not sure that I got into that so much on the podcast in previous episodes, but it was definitely just something that was always running through my head. Like, geez, my eyes are going crazy. And then, then you start to realize the more you start to think about it, the crazier they start going, like the faster they'll start moving and then it just gets worse and worse. So oh, I was about to say that. Yeah. I feel like we're like telepathic. I was about to bring that up. <laughs> The more I focus on it, I feel like the worse it gets. I don't, yeah, it's kind of like, I forget the saying, like if you watch a stove or like a pot, it'll never boil. Like, I feel like I just have to kind of let it be natural or it's going to go crazy if I'm trying to really channel it. Because the more you channel it, the worse it gets, mm-hmm. or at least for me. Uh, No, same for me. Same for me. Just definitely the more attention that's given towards it just, just makes it worse. So over time, that's something that I've that I've dealt with, and I've gotten better at. And I think actually for you, the DECA might might come in handy when it comes to being present and focusing at the job at hand. So for you, it would be delivering your speech or or selling the product, and then you could kind of correlate that to having a conversation with somebody. Like the job at hand is having the conversation with the person, not how your eyes are acting, and. Uh, yeah, just being present. Oh, definitely. Yes, I'd say that's very true. And I think that's true. Um, you, I don't know if you remember this. I bet you do. But class presentations, trying to focus on reading it and not the entire class maybe seeing your eyes going crazy or if anyone's staring at that. Mm-hmm. Kind of just reading off your presentation or doing whatever you need to do. I think that's so much better than focusing on your eyes because one, it'll distract you from what you're actually should be doing, which is kind of presenting. And two, I think people will notice less if you notice less. Like sometimes people only bring it up if you're like so worried about it also. Yeah. So if you're kind of just cool and confident with it, people will also be cool with it. Yeah, I really think um, for a lot of things in life, but certainly with my experience with nystagmus, it's only as big as you make it out to be. Yeah, I love That's so true. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's a very... (laughs) It's very uh, perceptive. Like I went, um, it was, I think Monday. So that was a day ago from when we're talking is I went to the doctors to get my um, driving test because if you're uh, have nystagmus or you have vision over like um, that, you think you have to wear contacts for glasses for they recommend going in there. And I think I was 2050, 2060 solidly with contacts, 2050 solid. And then to have a full driver's license, you needed 2040. And I was like one line above. And that was heartbreaking to me because that means as of right now, at least I have restricted to, I think day. So like whatever it is, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. sunrise to sunset. Mm -hmm. So that was really hard. It made everything seem so much worse. But now that I think about it, at least I can drive during the day. And in the future, I may be able to drive if I get stronger contacts or surgery or any of that. You might want to also consider doing some eye exercises. Your your vision can be improved with. Well, I'm not going to just start saying things, but I've I've read things that um, I've read articles and I've read firsthand experiences of people doing eye exercises and having their vision being improved because of them. And this is something that I've been procrastinating on for so long it's not even funny i've i've started doing them in the past before but i was never able to be consistent with it and it wasn't only it wasn't until um about two weeks ago that i've been doing them every day so if i notice any differences with that i'll definitely say something on the podcast somewhere but exercises are definitely you know something like it it won't hurt you know to try something like that 
I don't know. I didn't know those existed until just now. Like I'm in shock. I don't know what, to, I didn't know that was a thing until you just said that. I didn't know you could train your eyes. Like I've thought about that, but at least from what I've talked to, like my family or doctors, I've never heard that brought up as long as I've had nystagmus really. Oh, interesting. Well, here, let me get a, let me get a pen real quick. Um, I'll yeah, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. Interesting because I thought it was kind of just like, your eyes kind of improve over time. I've heard like mine have improved over time somewhat, but I did not know that existed. That's great to know. Uh, I don't think many people know that either, or no one I've talked to really. I don't think so. I don't hear it discussed very much in the nystagmus community, and it it might not be a huge thing. You know, it it might not make a huge difference. But the only way to find out is if you do it. So that's kind yeah, of even if it, I'm looking at it. Yeah, even if it bumps you up just slightly, it's still bumping you up it's not taking you down it's not keeping the same it's improving you yeah so here I'll, I'll give a little example for you and for anybody who's watching what what i do and then anybody can do this if they want really so i'm doing this twice a day and i do this for about 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at night so i'll take i'll take a pen and then i'll hold it all the way to my right and then you guys are going to start to see my eyes freaking out but I'll hold it to the right, and then slowly, I'll move it over to the left, and then I'll I'll maintain my focus on it as much as I can, and then I'll bring it back. Well, bring it all the way back so to the right, and then I'll do that ten times. So I I would do this ten times, and then after I do that ten times, by the way, this to here to here, I consider that to be one rep. So so that that's one for me. So I'll do that, and then I'll also have the pen at my nose, and then focus on it, and then focus on the tip, and then move it away from me, and then bring it back to me, and just continue focusing on the tip. And then I'll also do this yeah. 10 times. And wow. who knows? You know, who, who knows? Yeah, you can. I can definitely tell something's happening because I feel my eyes kind of concentrating on it. And for a second there, they like watered up. It's like, it felt like something was working. Yeah. Well, you're working them out, you know? You're yeah. Yeah. It's kind of going. like you said, the eye reps. I like that. Yeah. The eye <laughs> getting those eyes worked out, going to the gym for eyes. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anybody wants to try that, you know, let me, let me know if you try that, let me know how, how it goes, but I'm only two weeks into it. I don't expect any results at all. I've lowered my expectations to, to nothing, but I am optimistic about it. So maybe you know, further down the line, maybe in a few months from now, I could report some results. So uh, about the driving, really man. Like so you, so you need 2040 to be unrestricted, but you're at 2050. So you can only do during the daytime. Yep. In Virginia, I am not sure if it's national or if it's any other state at all, but I know it's Virginia. Okay. And I feel like other states are going to have some requirements, but yeah, at least for Virginia, it's very strict. Like it's not 2040. Like I can get maybe one letter on 2040 if I'm really, really concentrating, but they're like, you got to get clean sweep. You miss one, you're not getting it. Mm. Even if I improve so much, I got four out of five, five out of six, they nope, wouldn't count it at all. 2040 is so an intense standard. It's very enforced. 2040 is pretty solid though. I've spoken to a lot of people with nystagmus at this point. I don't think that I've ever really spoken to somebody with 2040. Yeah, that's why I was so surprised it was um that that low. Like I know I feel like there may be, at least from research, I haven't I've seen some states with a little less restrictions, but especially for people with nystagmus getting to 2040, for some people it's impossible. For some, maybe through surgery could be attained, but yeah, I think that's the one thing with nystagmus is improving eyesight, especially for certain things, can feel really challenging and so just kind of end of the world-ish like it felt to me. Like just a huge disappointment because at least, you know, when you're about to be able to drive, hearing something like that is disappointing. But I think it's still amazing I can drive during the day. And I think that's yeah. the one I got to take out of it, that I can drive. Yeah, definitely, definitely a good takeaway. You know, there's a lot of people in nystagmus who don't drive. For example, I've I've tried driving a few times, and I don't feel very comfortable doing it. I'm still gonna like keep giving it some goes, but um, um, 
Yeah, 2040 is, 2040 is pretty good. I know people personally who have 2070 with nystagmus and they're not restricted. So, wow. Yeah, that's that's got to be a Virginia thing, man. Yeah, that's a different state. But yeah, like uh, my dad said, actually, is like, we got computers we can zoom in on. Now we just need cars that can drive themselves. To uh, solve that they're pretty close to that. Yeah, they're pretty close, which is nice. In my lifetime, I might be able to, you know, cruise around at night in some autonomous car. You will. I mean, yeah, since Zoom in computers, I know if you had nice diagnosis back in like the 70s, 80s would be pretty crazy to think about having computers you could take to school, zoom in on, use. So it's really changed. And even I can use a touchscreen now, which yeah. is even crazier to think about that that didn't exist just like a couple of years or decades ago. So I think technology's really changed, made it so much easier. Like the biggest thing with nystagmus that I've always hated is I think going to restaurants and menu boards, like oh, trying to dude. see the menu items is, I hate it so much to the phone. I didn't realize at the conference, I was actually helped out. And I was told that, um, I think it was by Jeff Sipperstein, I think about how, um, you could use your phone to magnify, magnify, uh, like, I don't know how to explain it. Like it zooms in enough to the menu and it's still clear, kind of like, or you okay. can take a picture of it and zoom in. So that's what I do as I do. I do the second thing is I'll take a picture of it and I'll just zoom into it. And that's work. And I did that in school a lot, by the way, that's what I would do in school. Cause sometimes I wouldn't want to sit in the front cause I, I, you know, I guess I knew people in the back or something. But I, I would just take a picture of the board and then zoom in. And then I would always have a conversation with a teacher beforehand because some teachers don't want teachers in I mean, some teachers don't want phones in the classroom, obviously. But uh, yeah, definitely a really good tip. And that's definitely helped with the menus as well as just taking a picture and zooming into it. Yeah, I'd say high school, like you mentioned, is uh, sitting in the back. Like elementary school doesn't really matter. Middle school, maybe a little bit, but high school the farther back it feels like the more normal it is. So it's like that pool between like the middle of the classroom, like like stagnant by the front and then like sitting with everyone else towards the back. And you, it's so hard to decide, like, am I going to have to take lots of pictures and try to do all the work on my Chromebook or do I want to sit at the front where I'm comfortable, but it's like with people I might not know, or yeah. if you can choose your seats, everyone's not good. There's going to be fewer people in the front. So how about yeah, the constant uh, battle? Yeah, it is. And you also have so many different classes throughout the day too. So it's yeah, I have, I think seven classes, even an odd total. Mm. So yeah, doing four a day, it really changes in each class. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Oh man. Yeah. Memories. High school. Jesus. It's, it's only been a couple of years, <laughs> but all right. Yeah. It's only, <laughs> you only got three left, which is crazy to think about. It felt like I was just first day of school. Yeah, I got yeah, three. you're almost done. Yeah, done with the first year almost, yeah. and only should get better, at least what I've heard. Uh, my favorite year was junior year, so Ooh. there you go. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. Yeah, that's a that's actually in the near future. That's crazy to think about. That that's actually close. It feels weird to think. Yeah, you're just a year and a couple months away from that. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. The five hundred four plan. Do, do you have one of those? 504 yes i don't know what it's called in other states but at least in our state it's called the 504 plan uh i think that's what it's called uh like formally but it it can be anything you want it's like a customizable like card for like um it's all digital but like you know like a thing like here this is what i need kind of like um and what it is is it goes out to all the teachers which is nice digitally but currently i put seating close to the front of the class like uh always or if i request i can get closer to the front um i currently this year i haven't used it much but touch screen chromebook so you can you know touch it and zoom in if the mouse and keyboard isn't working or move around um and then my others i think is i can request the one i'm actually using is i'm going to do an ap test so trying to do the tiny circles where it's like a hundred questions of circles you have to fill in on a page or something like that. I can have it slightly blown up and I can have slightly longer time to fill it all in, which is really a game changer. Cause I feel like I'd spend more time trying to 
figuring out which circle to color in and which row it's on than actually answering the questions. What accommodation would you say helps you out the most? Um, that's a good question, actually. I'm thinking, I think the most is at the beginning of the year, they know I want to be seeing the first, you know, one to three rows is perfect. Normally it's first, second, normally, or maybe even third. Um, but instead of having to go to every teacher in the front of the class and like, can I switch seats with that kid over there? It's a, so much less um, awkward. It's so much easier to come in and just know you have a seat that you can actually see the board. Yeah. And even if you don't, if a teacher's like, I'm not moving seats, you can kind of use it like, but I need to be moved. So you don't have to fight that. So yes, it helps allow. That's a good one. It's, yeah, it really helps to prevent kind of having to fight the teachers on things if I really need it. And it makes it so much easier like to get this AP test, get slightly bigger like questions or bubbles. It saves a lot of time that I just had to plan this kind of like an automatic you can card. Nice. It's uh, it's like the sit in the front card if you were playing. It is, yeah. yeah. It is. It's like they get out of jail free card but for go. school. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, interesting. Okay. So earlier we spoke about the Nystagmus conference briefly, and you had told me that you spoke there a few times. So I'm curious about your, your experience speaking there and your other experiences just at the conference in general. I would say... I've spoken, let's see, I'm trying to go back. Uh, I spoke at the virtual conference last summer. And I spoke, I think, two years before that, my first ever conference. So I was young. So it wasn't like a professional speech, like the State of the Union address. But it was me speaking about, it was like a three-year, four-minute speech, which felt huge to me because I think I had to memorize it all or just have like a couple small note cards. And it was all about living with nystagmus. And the one I did in front of everyone at the conference, so like 300 people. So it was kind of like the basics of living with my sadness, school with it, doing things with it. And then the thing that's a lot more relaxing because it's a little smaller audience is the teen panel, which you do in front of rooms of any teens and parents that want to come. And you do it with uh, three other people normally, maybe four other teenagers, like ages you know, 13 to like 18 or 13 to 20 that all have nystagmus and we go down the row with questions submitted. And I really, really enjoy that because questions are like, what is working with nystagmus? Um, what is school like, or even more specific, like, did you have specific glasses to wear during sports practice or, you know, stuff like that? Or were you still able to like do well and succeed in school with nystagmus? Mm -hmm. And everyone kind of gets to give their own unique answer, which is, cool to hear from the others, even when you're on the panel. And then most recently this year, I led a room actually, I think with a um, co-host and it was, I got to lead the team session, which is kind of like, just like an icebreaker session the first night and the lunches during virtual, which was everyone could eat lunch and just kind of free talk about nystagmus or even if there's other topics related to nystagmus or kind of just free talk since it was lunch. Cool. Cool. So, so, so you it's cool having a leadership position. Yeah. I'm curious about that. How does that, how does that work? How do you get a leadership position for that? Um, in nystagmus, it was, uh, I think it was either we reached out or they reached out to us knowing that I did pretty well and I was decently outspoken. So they're like, would you like to participate in this? And I also, I asked to, this, so the first time I asked to kind of do some of them, and I guess they liked me enough the first time they asked me back to do a little more. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of how you rank up in anything is kind of starting and then slowly you can do a little and a little more each time. Gotcha. Okay. So you did say that you spoke for your first con or was it the first one? The I can't remember, but you, you ended up speaking in front of a group of, of a lot of people, like 300 people. Did, did that yes. give you, um, would you say that helped you for your DECA in a way? Oh, definitely. Yes. If DECA, my first time ever speaking with like someone like that, um, That's I would people, be man. so, so freaked out. So yeah, that 300 people, that was so freaky. Like I was younger, so it was okay, but I forgot like a page or something or like half a page of stuff I was supposed to say. Mm -hmm. I was just so like in the zone doing it. 
but I think the more I do stuff, the better I be like doing this podcast will really help. Like when I do a presentation, I can't be like, well, I've done a 40 minute podcast. This is so easy. <laughs> or I've done DECA. This is, this is no sweat at all. So I think the more you do, the more calm you can be. Mm-hmm. And the bigger stuff seems a lot smaller. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. It's, that's just one of the, uh, the many benefits that I think you can get from, from doing public speaking is, I mean, I, I've noticed that you're just pretty good at articulating yourself in general. Like you, you don't stutter, you don't say a lot of ums. So I'm sure that just a combination of the Nystagmus conference and the DECA and just all of these things have helped you, you articulate, articulate yourself pretty well definitely like you're you're 16 there's no way i'm articulating myself the way that you are when i'm 16 no way yeah uh two things on that one at the beginning i think you noticed i still slightly like my voice was like i don't know either high pitched or cracked or something like at first i was like i gotta get into it like i think with everything you could be like the president and you'll still get nervous like you still have that kind of like butterflies or excitement or adrenaline whatever it is but once you kind of get into your zone, it's a lot easier to talk. And then the one thing, not sorry, not to correct you, but just in case anyone's curious, I'm 15, I think, and a half now. Oh my God. I'm just I'm slightly under. I so not to like contradict you just uh, <laughs> in case. No, thank, thank so you. So that the record's accurate. Thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, I just think I assumed because when I was, was I? Okay, I guess I was 15 when I was a freshman too. Yeah, Jesus. Christ. Yeah, I got in early with my birthday. I don't know how the cutoff works, but yeah. Okay. But I'll be sixteen. Yeah, I'll still be fifteen my sophomore year. I don't turn sixteen till November, <laughs> so I'm a little young. You just, but I've been yeah, younger. Just fifteen. Oh my God. Okay. Very, very well spoken. Fifteen year old. You're also the youngest guest that I've had. So. Oh wow, that's a really cool. It's a cool honor to have. Yeah, yeah. You could you could officially say that you're. You're, you're the youngest one, so that that's something, I guess. That is. <laughs> um, to kind of close off the podcast, I just want to talk about your parents real quick, and I'm I'm curious what role they played in your ability to to deal with your condition and to live a normal life. I would say my parents supportive would describe it somewhat but very like very supportive and very positive like if they listen to the doctors they would probably be very very cautious about everything i could do and they'd be a lot more like helicopter like like i'm can actually go out and you know hang out with people and not have them watching me or tracking me that i know i think they don't I don't think they're hiding in the bushes watching me. <laughs> they got but, the binoculars, man. Yeah, with the binoculars. Yeah. But yeah, I've been able I've been able to attempt so much stuff that it's really nice. Yeah, they've been super supportive and like doing anything we think about it like a little bit. Like with nice to have mess, would there be anything extra you have to do to kind of succeed? Like extra preparation. Maybe for this sport, you might want to consider trying um guiding me on what i can and can't do mm-hmm. or there's not many can'ts kind of what i can do and what i should look at how much like preparation i may need for it or if it how much of a struggle it might be with my nystagmus gotcha okay and neither of your parents have nystagmus do they no um my mom wears contacts and my dad wears glasses i think it's on um, basic like uh like a basic, like a nearsighted or farsightedness, but I think my dad, I got the nystigmatism from. So I know they have different things, but definitely not nystagmus. That's why it was such a shock for them to hear I had it. Because So you were just explaining to me the reaction, why your parents were so surprised when you were first diagnosed with nystagmus. Oh, I should say, yeah, they were so surprised because... um they've never had it no one in our family's ever had it me and my sister were the first people to have nystagmus and be diagnosed with it Hmm. which is crazy because yeah we're the only two uh kids in the family so it's weird for both of us to get it when no one else has had it i know that is interesting it is interesting i hear that the mother i hear that the mother would pass it down 
more than the more than the father. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Have it, so interesting. Yeah, like their eye conditions combined to form nystagmus, and that's <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's funny. Um, well, Alex, I don't really have so many other things to talk about here. Do you have anything else that you'd want to discuss before we finish off? Um, I actually have a question for you, if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. I'm curious. I know you have a nystagmus. Have you ever had surgery for it? And are you ever considering getting surgery? I did have surgery. I had surgery when I was 13. And, oh man, I had the name of my surgery right here. I think I think this is it. Uh, oh, I can't believe I actually remember to keep this paper on me. I didn't think I was going to Oh, that's it. awesome that you kept it right there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was going to ask. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you know what? I, I did. I knew you were going to ask me. That's what it was. Kestenbaum uh, procedure. Kestenbaum? Something like that. Okay. So I had this procedure when I was 13. And my most recent guest, John Paul, actually had this as well. So what the procedure is, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to get too logistical. I don't really know anything about it. But I do know that it, its purpose is to help correct your null point so my null point was um was a lot more dramatic than it is today when i was younger uh, it, it was pretty dramatic and the procedure did help correct the null point and i still have a slight null point but it's not nearly as bad as it used to be um, but i do want to say one thing one thing that i do have to mention is i literally got i, I got double vision from this procedure so i do just have to say that i I, um, after my eyes were done healing, I, you know, was able to open them up again. And I noticed that I was seeing two of everything. And, That's interesting. Do you still have uh, that? You know, I feel like I might have a little bit of it, but I also feel maybe that I've just become so accustomed to it that I don't really notice it. That might also be a possibility. Oh, that's very interesting. Did the null point correction um, help your vision or was it just to kind of stop the head tilt? So I was pretty young when I got it. I, you know, I was 13. So uh, I don't recall if it did much to improve my vision. It might have helped a little bit. It definitely didn't worsen it. You know, my vision definitely didn't, didn't get worse after the procedure. But uh, it did help correct the null point, but it did come at a cost for me. I did get the double vision and I did have to start wearing prisms in my glasses for a little bit, which eventually I stopped wearing. Um, I would say that my double vision isn't nearly as bad as it was though. I don't really think that I experience double vision anymore. And if I do, oh, it's very minimal. That's good. Yeah. I know. I feel like a lot of people I've talked to in nystagmus, including me are like either have had surgery or are considering getting it someday. So I feel like it's kind of a hot topic for nystagmus, especially for me right now, considering do I ever need to have a milder case? So it's kind of something I'm interested in. I feel like a lot of people in nystagmus seem to either want to talk about or already have gone through and would be happy to share. Yeah, you know, I've, I've had a few people on my show who have had procedures and surgeries and... I guess I should mention that I that I got LASIK. I don't know if that's considered a surgery, but that can be surprising to some people because of the nystagmus, because my eyes are moving all the time. But I did get LASIK. It wasn't a fun procedure, but we ended up making it work. So like now I'm not wearing glasses or contacts. But uh, Well, that's great. Yes, it, it, it's great. But um, also, I feel like anything that I do, there's always like some sort of side effect or some sort of thing that comes with it so for the first surgery i had the double i had the double vision and for my lasik which i got almost a year ago we're coming up on a year oh wow um my vision eventually got up to where they were to what it was with the glasses and then i feel like it's diminished slightly since then so what happened was i got the procedure and my eyes were still a little blurry a few day, a couple days to a couple weeks after the surgery. So it probably was like here. And then my vision got back here to where it usually was. And then I feel like it's kind of back down here. So oh. I'm under the impression that my vision is not as good right now as it was when I had glasses. So I'm considering going and getting a pair of 
glasses or contacts so I can start trying to drive again because I don't feel comfortable driving with my eyes the way that they are now. So well, that's really interesting and good to know. Just things to keep in mind. Those are just yeah. my experiences. There's other people who have had these procedures and did not experience the same thing that I did. But I feel like I do have to mention, uh, you know, my side effects, I guess. Definitely. Yeah, the full disclosure is good. Don't want to. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't want people. Some people, everyone's very honest. Like, I'm glad there's no people who are super positive about it or super, super negative. Everyone seems pretty neutral with it. Yeah, you just kind of have to look at it all look at anything from all perspectives and weigh the outcomes. And if it's something that you're worth, if it's a risk you're worth, you're willing to take, then, you know, then you're willing to do it. So just to clarify, you haven't had any procedures, but you're considering some. I am. Yes. And the only reason I'd say is I think driving is actually a huge factor of if my whole life, if I could have a procedure and just bumped up one line, that could change a huge part of my life, which is driving at night. I know I'll do some point someday. So I feel like if I could get that part back through a procedure, I'm willing to take the risk. Okay. okay. But it is, there are some side effects and there is the problem that I could go through all that work and I come out the same. And that also kind of stink for how much you go through and with the cost. So yes. Is there a it specific is procedure that you're considering? No, I'm so new. We haven't, um, we'd have to go to, we're thinking like reach out to specialty or a specialty like care facility or like a bigger hospital because there's nowhere in like that we've been to that have like specific uh, procedures we've talked about yet. You probably but, want to reach out to Dr. Hurdle. Yeah. That's who we're thinking of talking to. Yeah. Cause they seem very well on respected and very very good at what they do yeah he's the one who performed the that procedure on my most recent guest so maybe consider reaching out to him i think he'd be able to to help you out there i definitely will yeah well you know i i think we're about done here i really i really appreciate you you joining me and talking to me and thank you for your time man of course. Well, thank you so much for inviting me on the podcast. I'm really glad that I could have done it. Of course. I'm happy that you came. I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, Thanks. And uh, for anybody who's listening on YouTube, uh, please, please uh, feel free to give the video a like and a comment and hit the subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And all the episodes are now available on Apple Podcasts. So you can always just, if you'd rather listen to it, you can check it out on there too. And yeah, thank you for listening.